So there is Jesus with his little group of followers standing in a town square. And there are people buzzing left, right and centre, in front and behind them. Because Caesarea Philippi was a hedonistic town. If you wanted money, sex and power, Caesarea Philippi was the place to go. It was homage to Caesar. It was homage to Herod's grandson, Philip. And Herod's grandson, Philip, thought himself so great that he could be linked with Caesar. So they renamed the town Caesarea Philippi. What a thing to do. And there they are. They stand in this town center. And around them are monuments to greed. Around them is opulence and wealth. A very, very rich town. And the backdrop on Caesarea Philippi, the well-known backdrop of the day, was this huge, huge <coughs> high hill. It was a rock that, that overshadowed the town. And built into the rock, there were temples. Temples to mammon. <coughs> temples all around the town. Fourteen plus. All temples to money, sex, and power. And at the bottom of some of these temples, sometimes hewn into the rock, there were deeper places of worship. Worship to the god Baal, worship to the god Pan, and places where people could go and do just what they wanted to do with each other. And that was what marked Caesarea Philippi. It was bustling, it was busy, it was attractive. Soho was like Westminster Abbey in comparison. <laughs> it was a it was a really green, bad place, Caesarea for chock a block with people. And there in the town centre stands this rabbi king, his followers around him, and he's looking at everything that's happening, and he says. Guys, who do these people say I am? And they got their ear to the ground. Some of them say, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah. In other words, there's an identity crisis. They don't really know. They're guessing with all these names, with all these people. We're not too sure who they think you are, but these are the names that we've heard. And that question, who is Jesus, is relevant to us today, isn't it? In the middle of places of greed, where there is at the moment a preponderance of emphasis on money and sex and power where we are, who is Jesus to us? Now it's not down here in the Mark reading, but in Matthew 16, we read, don't we, that Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And that's the thing that Jesus wants to hear, because he knows that his time is limited. And he wants to ensure that his disciples get it. He wants to ensure that his disciples 
get it? In the midst of all these people around, do you get it? Who do you say I am? That's the most important thing. And when Peter says you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, in Matthew at least, do you remember? Jesus says, Peter, and he's looking ahead at this great rock, and he says, you are the rock. You are the rock on which I'm going to build my church. You are the, are the rock which is going to be above all temples, which is going to be above all places of worship, which is going to be above and beyond anything that the world has ever seen, that the world has ever known. Who is Jesus? Well, he breathes more easily when Peter says that. But actually, we have to ask the question, and it's, been, and it's come forward in our readings today, we do have to ask the question, don't we? You see it in 31, 33. Then Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but three days later would rise from the dead. As he talked about this openly with his disciples, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand, reprimand Jesus, who would do that, for saying such things. And Jesus gives him a real tough word, get thee behind me, Satan, he says. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view and not from God. You see, Peter had a set idea of who the Messiah would be. He had a set idea of the king. But don't we also sometimes have that same set idea? Who is Jesus? Because you see, all is well when Jesus is casting out demons or healing the sick or raising the dead, or feeding the multitudes. Yeah, we like that Jesus. That's the Jesus I really want to follow, that one. That Jesus, he's the one for me. That was Peter's Jesus as well. So Jesus rebukes Peter harshly, but then he shocks them further by telling them that his way of the cross might well be their future too. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. To save your life, you must lose it. And you must lose it for my sake. And then as we read, he shows Peter, you are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Yesterday afternoon at the Regent Hall, I spoke about the otherness of this week. In this week, so many things happened that were totally and utterly unexpected. Starting from yesterday with Palm Sunday, the king on a donkey, it doesn't work. And then we know on the Monday of Holy Week, he cast, he went into the temple. That doesn't work, a king clearing tables. What's the deeper message behind that? And then on the, on the Thursday, this breaking of bread, the analogy of, my blood and my body. Oh, that doesn't quite work for me, Jesus. And then Friday, God's masterpiece, when there he is, the king killed on a cross. And Sunday just blows our minds. I'm not even going to go there on the Monday of Holy. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view. In other words, there is a bigger picture to come. 
Calvary is God's bigger picture to come. And sometimes some of us still struggle to get the sacrificial element in our living and in our thinking. If the world leaders today had any idea of sacrifice, the world would be a much better place. Sacrifice what I've held dear for many years in order that my country and my people might grow. And I can think of many countries in the world where that would be the case. If some of our salvationists and some of our core had the idea of sacrifice, to sacrifice things that are long held dear in order that this great Salvation Army might march forward for the next hundred years. Sacrifice is God's bigger picture, and we have to see that. And I thank God for Isaiah in moments like this. He helps me. Chapter 55. And this is God's answer for us when we may not quite get it. My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We can read that in a loving way. My ways are not your ways, don't worry. Or we can say, hey, get it. My ways aren't your ways. Think about this. In this extraordinary week, we do well to remember this, and also to remember that the way of Christ, self-denial, reminds us that our life is not our own. It belongs to God. It reminds us that God is in control. And we are reminded that life is not about our small kingdoms, about our small desires. It is not about our small gods. But it's about God's radical and eternal redemption plan. That other plan of God. Who is Jesus? In each word and action, Jesus denied himself and showed God was present. Jesus showed us how God reacts to sinners and how God reacts to tax men and prostitutes and the sick and the mourning and the anxious and the distressed, the displaced and the marginalized. And through your self-denial and mine, through our bowing down, so our inner deadness is transformed into a rising up. Our losing becomes gaining. Our losing becomes saving, and death becomes resurrection. A king on a donkey? No way. A king on a cross? Nope, it doesn't scan. It's a royal riddle. But God's ways are not your ways or mine. And God will never fail. Who is Jesus? He's the one who gives in a world that takes, loves in a world that hates, heals in a world that injures, brings life in a world that kills. He is the one who offered mercy when others sought vengeance, who offered forgiveness when others condemned, who gave compassion when others were indifferent. Jesus trusted in God's abundance when others said, there's not enough. That, my friends, is the Jesus I believe in. That is the Jesus that I acknowledge in this holy week. Everybody has a reaction to him. Who do you say that he is? Who do you say that he is? The one who lived and died by sacrifice. And for those of us who follow him, that is the inescapable way of the cross. 
And as we begin this Holy Week, may our hearts and our minds truly get it. And may we follow faithfully. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, the message of the cross is sometimes difficult to take. How can death give way to life? How can weakness be strength? Yet your word says that Jesus, being God, took on human flesh and suffered the worst kind of death. How can this be? This message is difficult to take. Lord, we must lose our lives to rise again. Your foolishness is wiser than our wisdom. Your weakness is greater than our strength. Help us to know that none of us can boast before you. It is only in the King, the Messiah, Christ Jesus, that we boast. In his name, we ask you to help our unbelief that we may love you, walk in the way of the cross as Jesus did, and acknowledge him as king in our lives. We pray these things in his precious name.